The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, I have come to set the earth on fire, and how I wish it were already blazing. There is a baptism with which I must be baptized, and how great is my anguish until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to establish peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, a household of five will be divided, three against two and two against three. The father will be divided against his son, and a son against his father, and a mother against her daughter, and a daughter against her mother, and a mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. The Gospel of the Lord. So the Lord seems to be getting a little fired up in our gospel today. He says, yet again, I've come to set the earth on fire and how I wish it were already blazing. Now certainly he could, what could our Lord mean in this? Certainly he doesn't mean to be talking about war or anything. But then yet a few lines later he says, do you think that I have come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division." Now, we, this is a hard saying of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a difficult thing to understand. And we could do one strategy, which is to sugarcoat it all, pass on by, and say, well, certainly he didn't mean that, and just act like this part of Scripture isn't true. Or we can do the Catholic thing, and take the infallible living Word of God at its word, and allow this fire to burn away the dross of our comfortable living and our comfort with sin, and challenge us to be indeed apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, disciples. This passage can be understood especially on three different levels. Personal, familial, and societal. The Lord wants all three levels to be set aflame, to be set ablaze, because he cannot abide peace anywhere with evil, sin, or the godless. In any part of it, he wants to set us ablaze so as to call us out of sin and into the light of his divine charity. Our opening collect can help us understand this, gives us a lens by which to understand it all. I prayed on your behalf. O God, who have prepared for those who love you good things which no eye can see, fill our hearts, we pray, with the warmth of your love, so that loving you in all things and above all things, we may attain your promises which surpass every human desire. Now indeed, it lets us know that our hearts are to be set ablaze with divine charity. Now, I purposely didn't use the word love there because, unfortunately, in English, the word love in our society has been co-opted to mean everything it it doesn't mean. It means today the word love is used to be this stick with which we're beat so as to accept sin, support life without Christ, pursuit of earthly goods over heavenly goods. I'm sure all of us have heard the line, Oh, but if you loved me, you would let me do what I want to do. But if you really loved me, you wouldn't judge me. You wouldn't tell me what Christ says I should or should not do. Oh, but if you loved me, insert whatever it is that we want to do against Christ. 
No, God wants to set our hearts ablaze with divine charity, which cannot make peace with sin and cannot make peace with those who promote and condone and encourage disobedience to God and his divine will. So to be set ablaze does mean war. Now, it doesn't mean a kind of war or conflict of power or land or oil or political superiority. It's not what our Lord Jesus Christ is talking about. No, we are at war for souls. We are striving to emancipate people from slavery to sin and death and darkness. We must be salt and light, our Lord Jesus Christ says. We must be set ablaze and unafraid. So, this war is first fought on a personal level. St. Paul says in the letter to the Romans, chapter 7, that I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. I think that all of us understand this battle that goes on in our hearts against temptation and sin. We know the fight, we know the fall, and we know the redemption that's offered. We know what it's like to be set aflame with passion to pursue sin, but we also know what it's like to be set aflame with charity to pursue virtue, even to the point of shedding blood, as St. Paul said. Sometimes there's people who say, well, Father, I'm living a pretty comfortable life. I'm pretty at peace. There doesn't seem to be a battle. Well, if that's the case, I fear that perhaps you've given up. Because the truth of it is, the moment we're baptized, we enter into this battle for our soul. We're on the winning side when we're with Christ. He's won the ultimate victory. He's the one who continues to invite us into purity, into sanctification, into his glory. But there's also that war that goes on in our heart for our own will. It's kind of crazy to think about God so loves us, beyond the saving mysteries and all that, he's actually ordered our lives, he's put certain people and events into our lives because he's not even okay with our imperfections. He doesn't want to leave us sitting comfortable. He wants to call us out. So when people come to me and they say, gosh, my kids just seem to push all of my buttons, or my spouse, or this co-worker that I don't even know why they're sitting next to me, it's they randomly put there. Well, sometimes it's really not random. Our Lord knows that he, uh, those buttons need to be revealed, they need to be healed, they need to be comforted, they need to be challenged, if you will. Because he wants us to be made perfect like him. It used to be that during the sacrament of confirmation, the bishop would lightly slap the one being confirmed on the cheek, saying, go forward, Christian soldier. This gave us a full understanding. If you want to truly defend the faith, it's going to require sacrifice. That we're not in this life, this life with Christ, to just walk through a garden of this life and pick our roses and consolations and everything will be just fine and dandy. That does happen. We do get those moments. But it's also a place of battle. A place to fight against sin and evil. A place to be transformed in his divine charity. But how do we endure all of this to the point of blood, as St. Paul says? Well, you're probably tired of hearing me say it, but... Daily prayer is the first important step. How often do you think of heaven? How often do you think about the fact that there's a God, a Father in heaven who loves you? How often do you remember Christ's death for you? That when things get really hard, are they that hard? Can he help you? How often do we remember that we have an eternal soul that's destined for heaven or hell? One or the other. There's no in between. Everybody in purgatory ends up in heaven. We're destined to one of those two places. How often do you think of that? One of the great benefits of daily prayer is we think of those daily. 
We bring them before our minds daily, even if not explicitly, just talking to God. Let's our heart know. There's God. I'm with him. I'm destined for him. All these truths happen just when I say his name in prayer. Another thing that's necessary for this battle is spiritual reading. We need to be fed. We feed our bodies at least three times a day. How often do you feed your soul? If the only exposure to scripture you have is on Sundays, you're malnourished. We need to read from the Gospels, from a work of a saint, something from the kiosk in the back, something from form.org. Something that feeds you, but also challenges you. I love consoling works. I don't like the challenging ones. But it's the challenging ones I need the most sometimes. The last little bit of advice for how we continue to endure this battle is frequent confession. Sometimes people say, well, Father, if I go to confession often, doesn't that mean that I'm just some huge sinner? Yeah, you are, and so am I. I try to go to confession once a week. That does mean, yes, indeed, I'm a sinner. But it's also not because I just want to proclaim that I'm a sinner, but because I proclaim that I want to be loved. And every time I step into the confessional or I go see a priest for confession, I know that it's a time in which I can look the enemy directly in the face and I can watch the love and light of our God smite him. And then watch that same light and love from our God, that charity, fill my own heart to continue to battle well. It's not just about sin. Yes, indeed, we want that forgiven. It's about healing and strength as well for the battle. So daily prayer, spiritual reading, frequent confession. The saints would often recommend somewhere between one to three months between our confessions. It's a good habit to get into. But then as we continue to actually fight this personal battle, you notice that you're convicted to live life differently, to dress differently, to act differently, to speak differently, when we actually allow Christ to inform us. One simple example for me is I wear the cassock everywhere I go, and sometimes in public that puts some people out. They don't know what to think. But then what puts them even more fully out is when I smile at them and treat them as if they have an eternal soul. really confuses some people. Just how we treat people can let them know who we are, who we follow, who we believe in. So this could be anything from helping the homeless to learning to forgive to even just challenging yourselves to live differently, saying prayers before meals in public. All of that shows that we are willing to fight for our family, to let Christ be at the center. Indeed, my brothers and sisters, though, when this happens, when our lives change and we start living our lives a little differently, it can challenge those in our family who don't believe what we believe. So what do you do when the faith and church teaching cause division in your family? How do you react to that? I'm pretty sure all of us know what that's like, whether it's in our immediate family or aunts and uncles or even just close friends. When you say, well, I believe in what the Catholic Church teaches, and they say, well, you're crazy. Why do you go to Mass every Sunday? It's a waste of time. Why do you go to confession to a priest that's pointless? It can cause division. Now, indeed, we need to stand on the solid rock of truth of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to defend the faith, but out of what spirit do we defend it? Is it out of anger or spite or revenge or hatred? Is it just to prove a point? Because those are the tools of the enemy and not the tools of Christ. If in defending the faith, it's because we love the one in front of us, truly, charity. We want to call them out of sin and darkness into the light of Christ. We want to call them further into the freedom of being a child of God. We have to know why we're challenging. We have to challenge and know why we're doing it. It's important always to pray for the gift of fortitude, 
but also the gift of purity of intention. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in those conversations. I personally often fail in fortitude to offer the challenges I need to offer. So I fail, I get back up, I ask the Lord to help me, and I trust in Him to make it right, or at least to help me understand how to move forward. Now when we do this, then indeed we understand the final level that the Lord wants to set on fire, which is our society. Now it's apparent where the conflict is there. We in no way can abide in any kind of peace with the practices of abortion or contraception, same-sex unions, gender dysphoria, and everything else that our culture seems to say, like, just do whatever you want, whatever makes you happy, and we'll be okay with that. Well, Christ says very clearly we can't do that anymore. We have to be set ablaze with divine charity. And so when we come to these moments, we got to understand why we're fighting. Why are we going to battle? Why are we going to war as Catholics against these sins, not against people? When I pray for an end to abortion, it's not so that at the end of time, at the great judgment, I can look at everybody who promote it and say the great I told you so on the day of judgment. If that's why we're doing it, stop, stop fighting for that. That's not the right spirit. I pray for an end to abortion because I'm tired of watching innocents being murdered. But also, I'm tired of watching men and women broken by the sin that they commit, that they're told is okay. I'm tired of watching people suffer because of a habit of sin within our culture. And I want to see people healed, and I want to see them brought to Christ. I fight because I love people, and I hate sin. Not because I want to prove to people they're wrong, and they don't belong. we got to know why we fight as Catholics. We've got to bring them to Christ, and how we fight will do that. So in- indeed, I think that we have to understand that our Lord Jesus Christ is asking all of us to be set ablaze with his divine charity, to be inspired by the truths of our faith, to stand strong on this pillar of truth. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a battle, personally, for our family, for society. But why do you fight? G.K. Chesterton and C.S. Lewis both have similar quotes in which they say that soldiers don't go into battle because they hate the person in front of them, but because they love the people behind them, because they love those who they defend and love. We go to battle as Christians because we hate Satan and sin, but we go to battle most fully because we love the people who are affected by them. Indeed, my brothers and sisters, how is the battle going personally? How is the battle going in your family? How is the battle going in our society? May the Lord Jesus Christ himself set us ablaze with his divine charity, so that this day we might pick up our tools to fight the rosaries, prayer, scripture, everything else that's given to us. And may we go to battle, knowing that the ultimate victory is already ours because we fight for a general who's already won the war. But now we're in a war for souls. And may souls be claimed for Christ the King.